This is John Lamakia from Candiria, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. I am your host, Keith. And we're back with a brand new episode. And right now, folks, I have with me returning guest and returning co-host, Vadim Tabor. Vadim, say hello to the people. What's up, Keith and people? (laughs) It's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be here with Vadim. And folks, we've got a smashing show for you today. The one, the only, Chris Higdon of Elliot. That interview is coming up momentarily. We talk about the reunion at Furnace Fest. We talk about false cathedrals. We talk about some of the band's history. We cover it all. It's a great conversation, and you're going to love it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing this interview with Chris. I've been an Elliott fan for many years. I bought the U.S. Songs CD off of Joe Nineiron Distro. Remember Remember Joe Nineiron? Oh, uh, of to, course. That yeah. distro is legendary, yeah. Oh, legendary distro. Later on, of course, he he uh, started a record label that released the This Day Forward vinyl, War, War Machine Records. But that um, that Elliott U.S. Songs did not leave my CD player for many years. Um, I got it the year it came out. And then with False Cathedrals, which is this big celebration, you know, coming up with the performance of it, I'm just as excited as I was in anticipation for the album being released. Revelation Records had these little cassette tapes i don't know if you remember they had like two songs on one side from one band and then two songs on the other side so it was elliot and then garrison was on the other side and i played the shit out of those two elliot songs in anticipation it was that summer of 2000 so yeah i can't wait to hear what what, uh, chris has to say about all of this yeah you know i'll never forget hearing false cathedrals for the first time back then i was way more critical of music and just less open-minded but as soon as i heard that record I loved the whole thing. It's just it's just incredible. And I I mean I like everything the band has done, but you know, False Cathedrals I would say is my favorite. So yeah, folks, the conversation with Chris is coming up momentarily, but I am going to plead with you now to support us, the new scene, and here's how you can do that. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. I am on the push to get us to 3700 Instagram followers. We're getting closer. So if you don't follow us on Instagram or any of those other platforms, hit that follow button. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We've got a main channel and a clips channel. The main channel has full episodes and the clips channel has highlights from some of our favorite episodes. Subscribe to those. Hit that like button, comment. All of that stuff helps us in the general world of algorithms and other stuff I don't understand. Uh, We have a shirt. We have a shirt available for sale at Deathwish Inc., Head on over to the store at Deathwish Inc. Type the new scene into the search bar. The shirt pops right up. Your purchase of that shirt will help directly fund this podcast. So thank you so much to everybody who has purchased a shirt. And finally, reviews. Folks, we are getting very close to 100. So thank you so much to everybody who is submitting a review. Open up your Apple Podcast or Spotify application. Hit that five-star button. And if you leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it on the show. We are at 75 on Apple, 
and 70 on Spotify. So get us to 100 and I will stop asking for reviews for like maybe two episodes. It'll be great. It'll, it'll benefit you and me. Also support our sponsor, Iodine Recordings. There's a lot going on at Iodine as always. Uh, there's a Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses tour documentary up now at New Noise. Definitely go check that out. And speaking of Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses, you can catch them, One Line Drawing, Audio Karate, The Darling Fire, Her Head's on Fire, Hey Thanks, and Best X, all at Fest 20 this year. Super good lineup, tons of iodine bands, amazing fest. Definitely check it out. So let's move on to some music recommendations. Now, folks, my absolute favorite band of all time has just released a new single. Hammock has just released the single I'm a Sensory Explosion. And the track features Luminette on vocals. It's on all platforms. And I'm going to add the song to our new scene 2022 Spotify playlist as well. Beautiful, soaring, post-rock, ambient-type music, if you're into that type of thing. It's my favorite band. It's my favorite band, so every time they release something, I'm excited, and they do it all. They do straight ambient stuff. They do straight band stuff. They do instrumental stuff. It's just, you know, they do it all. They do it all. So how about you, Vadim? What are you listening to these days? What's going on? Oh, I really like the new uh, Melody's Echo Chamber uh, record. She's a French singer. I love... Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff. Daniel Rawson, who is the uh, guitar player from Grizzly Bear, just put out a really great record. Man, I can't even think right now, Keith. You put me on. Oh, Royksop, Norwegian uh, electronic group, Ma- mainly stuff like that. And then digging back into a lot of 90s things, like always. Like? <laughs> <laughs> what's, some, what's some older stuff you've been revisiting too? Oh, just um, I'm kind of just discovering a lot of bands. Um, I checked out... Um, well, rediscovering this band called the darling buds um they had stuff in the 80s too and in in the early 90s um also uh, my girlfriend showed me this band called the ravenettes they were an early 2000s band uh really cool there's just so much stuff but then when you ask me i'm just like i can't even (laughs) can't even (laughs) think that happens a lot on the show too I'll, i'll ask somebody what are you listening to now and they're like uh Oh, wait, let me check my Spotify. I'll get right back to you. <laughs> that's what I was about to say, honestly. I was about to be like, that's what <laughs> I did. I, before we recorded, I was like, wow, I have nothing to talk about. And then I was like, dummy, go check Spotify. And I was like, oh, right. My favorite <laughs> band ever has released a song and I completely forgot. No, but Vadim, you listen to a lot of stuff and you listen to a lot of different kind of stuff. And I like that about you. Eclectic taste. That's a good thing. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, I mean, music is music, right? Like to to me, um, it's just all it's all good. It doesn't matter the style if it's a if it's a great song, if it's a good composition, if it's a good recording, good lyrics. I can always find something to appreciate, even if it's not something I'm going to listen to all the time. And I want to be well rounded, and so I like that. I like I like checking out things from from all over. Same here. As long as it gives me that feeling right here, I'm pointing to my heart. Folks, I'm pointing to my heart right now. As soon as I is, if I get the feeling right there, then it's good. It's good. That's what I look for. I look for that hit. Okay, so that's it for this segment, folks. But check back in with us at segment three. We'll talk about ourselves. We'll hear what's going on with Vadim. He's got some exciting gigs coming up at Furnace Fest and other places. But folks, strap in because right now we are going to speak to Chris Higdon of Elliot. Enjoy. 
folks. We're here now with Chris Higdon. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. It's wonderful to have you here. You know, you've done so much in music over the years between Falling Forward and Elliot and Frontiers. You've got this very exciting gig coming up at Furnace Fest. Obviously, we want to talk about that. But first, Chris, I have to ask you, how are you doing today? Today, I am doing great. I'm a little anxious and nervous, uh, excited. Uh, Kevin uh, flew in to Louisville today. Uh, We haven't seen each other yet. But uh, yeah, we start uh, rehearsals tomorrow. And so that's, wow. Yeah, so it's a big, you know, got some butterflies going on and and whatnot, but uh we've all been, you know, rehearsing by ourselves, but to actually get into a room together, it's going to be it's going to be neat. It's going to be fun. Have you played together with the band since the early 2000s? No, not not with Kevin, especially not with Jay. Uh yeah. you know, Jay um left uh right after False Cathedrals was recorded. So we haven't played together since then. So, um, so that's going to be amazing. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun and nerve wracking and, and, and just, uh, just all the, all the emotions. <laughs> I would be super anxious if I was you, not to add to it, Chris, but the, <laughs> yeah, thanks, the thanks. way, the way I am, I get very anxious before I do anything, whether I want to do it or whether I don't want to do it. It's like a nervous excitement thing. Sure. But then I always do the thing. And when I'm done, I, I'm very happy that I did it. No, that's that's a lot of the way that, that I work. And some of that nervous energy turns into, you know, um, whether it be excitement or you turn it into something really good. It's just uh, It's just how you process it, right? Yeah. And now I'm jumping ahead here a bit, but that's okay. So I was reading about the band. I was reading about Elliot, and I some there was something crazy that I didn't realize. After you released your second LP, False Cathedrals, Jay left the band, and Jonathan left the band, and you never really played those songs in the form that we hear them on the album. Exactly. Yeah, and that blew my mind because I, I have to admit, around two thousand three, I kind of dropped off the face of the earth. I realized that's like a cutting off point for me. I didn't keep up with the music. I got into partying and everything else. And, you know, later I circled back around to it. But in my mind, you became this great big band and you're playing these songs and then you had other albums, which you did. And But that's not exactly how it went. Jay and Jonathan leave, the new folks come in and you kind of remixed everything with uh, the new lineup. Exactly. The time after they left, yeah, it was it was different. It was, we what we didn't want to do was bring in new musicians and make them play exactly what Jay and Jonathan were were doing. Or we wanted them to be themselves, and we and we wanted them to feel a part of the band and not have to wait, you know, a year, two years. Um, you know, we're we take so long with with writing music, you know, I think it was, it was at least a couple of years before the next record was, was written. So we kind of went in with, yeah, we want you in the band, but we want to kind of re-envision some of these songs. And while it was artistically, I think it was good for us and it, and it allowed us to 
move on and kind of progress. You know, I can imagine being a fan and getting the record and then coming seeing the band and being like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're, they're playing things totally different. And, and it wasn't like worlds apart, but it was definitely, you know, we, we took some liberties with, with some of the songs. Um, but yeah, so this is a, a prime time that we get the opportunity to kind of go back and play the songs as they were written on the record. Yeah. I feel like people from our scene, Chris, especially are very particular. If there's one little thing different, people are going to complain. I remember being 16 years old. And if the band didn't have a bass player, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to see them. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know what bass or guitar barely was. How? Why am I critiquing this band and their lineup? Right. If they have they have a different lineup for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what's, you know, and it's, it's one of the things and it's some of the some of the hard choices of, of doing this again and, you know, was how do we put this together and how do we do it correctly? And, um, you know, and it's awesome that Jay's um, able to do this. And then we're actually having um, on that note, we're having Ashley state, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she's playing bass uh, for us. Yeah. I, she was uh, in ink and dagger at one point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And she was They're one of my all time absolute favorite band so when i saw that oh, i was wow. like yes yes <laughs> that's amazing yeah they are one of my two i actually you have the uh the seven inch uh oh, of course on initial so yeah i don't know if you ever heard the story but um i took that photograph with the stake and the the blood and the and the postcard and you know all that hold on a second you're you're telling me you took that photo yes and then but that when I was making that steak with the knife, I, that's actually my blood because I cut my finger. Uh, maybe I think my thumb when I was doing that. So that's, that's all fairly legitimate. <laughs> I I'm, I'm in shock right now because <laughs> worlds are colliding and this is like precious history to me. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, we, um, yeah, we, I love those guys. And then, you know, initial moving from Detroit to Louisville, you know, we were always kind of collaborating and uh, Scott Richard most has to be, I'm pretty sure it was Scott Richard that did the layout for that. So, you know, we kind of worked together shooting it and then giving it, handing it over to him so he could do all the, the layout and all the fancy stuff. I love it. And I love that it's your blood. <laughs> who would, who the hell would have known that? <laughs> yeah. And then the, uh, there's a, I can't, I don't have it right in front of me, but there's something, there's a little note uh, that says like the, something the deed is done or something. I don't know what I wrote. Uh, it's kind of silly, but, um, but that's my handwriting on this little, like, I don't know if it's a post-it note or a, a ripped up piece of paper or something like that. I love this. Yeah. I absolutely love this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So she's, uh, she was also in, um, she was in Guilt, which is amazing, you know, Louisville band that was on Victory Records. And uh, and all kinds of other stuff. And she's still she playing with uh, other bands. There's a band, uh, Cummus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, that she's in right now too, which are great. Awesome. And you know, like back in the day, having these new members come in the band, it's so selfless of you to be like, hey, we want to work with you. We want to welcome you into the band. We want you to do your own thing because you had this incredible album false cathedrals you could have very easily just had people come in and said here's the album learn it see you on tour yeah you would think it would be that easy but it's you know it was also 
you know, I don't know how selfless it was. We wanted to, I wanted to, I didn't want just someone to fill in. I wanted a, a member. I wanted it, you know, we, we all wanted to kind of create a band. We didn't just want like a hired gun or it just wasn't kind of, you know, how we uh, were doing things. And, you know, and, and Benny and I had been in bands before and I was, you know, always looked up to him and, and the things that he had done and went on to do. And it was always about, for me, it was really important to have other musicians that one are just so much more accomplished than I am. And then that have completely different tastes and what they do and, and whatnot. So then when it, we do come together, it kind of just blends and turns into something else. Even if, you know, I'm trying to make it sound like something that, that, you know, that I'm into, if, if they bring in their mix, it's, it's turns into something else. Exactly. Like whoever I'm playing with, that's what my music becomes. It's just my flavor on top of that. Like I noticed after false cathedrals song in the air, things became much more ethereal much more open. I read that you were more into post-rock at that time, which I'm super, super into. And I, I really like the direction that the band went. Yeah. And that, and I think it, you know, it was also, um, even from like us songs to false cathedrals where Kevin started having a, a heavier hand in, in writing. And then I think, and then, you know, that even went further with song in the air and with, uh, with Benny you know, adding his things. And there's uh, things that I'm learning about our history and, you know, of, you know, talking with Kevin with, you know, close to 20 years behind us, you know, it's like, oh, he felt certain ways about, you know, that recording. And he, you know, there, there were tensions between, you know, us and, and different, not, not really not like uh, personal tensions, but um, artistic and, and when for writing and, and, going certain ways. So it's interesting now to look back and go, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know any of this was going on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but when I was young, I had no ability to see past my own thoughts and desires or communicate effectively with people. And, you know, with a lot of time now and history, I can look back and say, Oh, maybe I should have done this. And maybe I should have done that. Like, what are some of the things you and Kevin discovered? Do you have like a specific example of something you can look back on and be like, Oh, wow. I, I had no idea this was going on. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I have any exactly, but I think a lot for me was um, just that blind ambition that, you know, where you're just trying to like the next show, the next record, the next, you know, whatever, you know, and not kind of stepping back and appreciating until you get a little older and you start realizing like, man, you know, if there's 10 people in the crowd that, that took time out of their day, you know, got a babysitter or, you know, just stopped doing their, um, their job, uh, or their hobbies or whatever they're into to come and see what you're doing. It's, you know, if you would, if you would have that when you're younger, I think you would, you know, it's, it's an old story, but you would just appreciate things so much more. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't appreciate anything when I was younger, but I just didn't have the ability to at the time. <laughs> right. And and for for us it was and and me especially it was a lot of doing the band, making sure 
you know, we were there on time. All these things were like so important to me. And I didn't, you know, take into consideration like, oh, the, these bands we're playing with, oh, they're great. And these are great people and build, you know, relationships. It, you know, it was a lot more of just like, okay, we played. Now we got to get to the next show, get in the van, sleep. You know, it was just like this constant kind of groundhog day where I was trying to be aware, but I don't think I fully was. Yeah. I only really developed better people skills recently. You know, like I would play shows and not even stick around for the other bands or I, I didn't even see that that was important. You know, do you, do you find yourself, were you like more introverted or were you just in a rush to do the next thing? You know, I think it was, it was a lot of, you know, we would, I would, we would stay around and things like that, but it was also, you know, I don't know if it always, it gets talked about a lot, but like, you know, when you, especially when you, you're singing, if I talked all day and then had to, you know, go up on stage, I mean, I, it, my voice would be shot. And so a lot of times you, you just have to be quiet and, you know, that doesn't uh, go very well if you're at a bar or, you know, you're, you know, people are having fun and, and drinking, you want to talk, but you can't because if you do, you're going to blow everything out. So it's, it's, it's an interesting position to be in and you don't want people to think you're a jerk. So then you just kind of like hide away until you come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the old thing about the singer, you know, like walking around in summertime with a scarf on to preserve your voice and, <laughs> right. and hiding because you have to save your voice, but you really have to do that stuff, especially you, you know, you're not exactly up there just yelling. Well, let me, let me back it up. Now yelling takes skill, but you're not up there just yelling or, I mean, you, you have to sing these songs. Sure. Sure. And, but, but, you know, but yeah, the guys that, that can just belt it out, you know, with, you know, some of these screaming, which I, which I love to do and which I try to uh, emulate, you know, some of my favorite, you know, the growls and the big. Yeah. Like Jacob Bannon from Converge. He'll do a whole tour and do that every night. How? He's, he's got to be a superhero. Yeah. No, it blows my mind. And, you know, <laughs> the, the hot water music guys or, yeah. you know, Daniel Higgs, Lungfish, or, you know, some of these, where these guttural screams come from and they're like oh yeah i do that every night it's no problem (laughs) (laughs) it really is a skill no it's amazing i need somebody to teach me (laughs) (laughs) just uh maybe at the furnace fest shows just try screaming the songs just all of them (laughs) just see how that goes i'm sure people will appreciate the uh change up in how you're doing things it's it's right yeah well we're we're supposed to do it like the record so we'll see (laughs) yeah (laughs) You know, it still blows my mind that the songs from False Cathedrals, as we heard them on the record, never really got played. So you have this performance coming up with Furnace Fest now. Talk about that. How did you decide you were going to play the record? What was some of the conversation? Well, you know, honestly, it it has a lot to do with Furnace Fest and Chad. And, you know, he's been reaching out. Um, How long? How many years? Well, at least the last, I want to say three, because, you know, we, I think we lost one, maybe, (laughs) maybe there was, or, or it got pushed or something like that. But, um, this time when he, he asked and, you know, having gone through all this, all the pandemic stuff and 
and whatnot. I still said no, but I, that there was a part of me that was like, oh man, I don't know if he's going to ask, <laughs> you know, next year. <laughs> um, and then for whatever reason, he, they reached back out and asked again. And they were like, oh, well, maybe he really won't ask again. Um, <laughs> he's asking twice this year. And so we kind of talked about it and, you know, went back and forth. And, um, you know, my, um, my day job, which uh, my wife and I um, own our own photography uh, business. So I already, we already have things booked, um, you know, for that weekend. Uh, you should book things, a year, you know, at least a year in advance. And so, you know, it was really, you know, I was talking with her and getting her blessing and making sure that, you know, we could do it and, and, and that our clients were okay with me not being there. Um, you know, all these things kind of tied into it, but finally it was like, okay, let's, let's do this. We may never be, you know, in this position again. Absolutely. Okay. So we're playing Furnace Fest. We're playing False Cathedrals. You guys decided to get back together to play because of Furnace Fest, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really it was, and now there's been other opportunities, you know, presented. And, and so we're, we're entertaining those and, and going to be doing some other stuff too. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we really need to, you know, bring it for, for that. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw you, um, did I see you back in the day at Furnace Fest? You know what, Chris, this is a really random memory. I don't remember if I actually saw Elliot at the fest, but I remember seeing you at the fest in I think 2002 or 2003. Like you were you were walking, and I was like, "Hey, there's Chris from Elliot." And then you walked into a porta potty. That's just a really <laughs> random memory that I have <laughs> for some amazing. reason. <laughs> yeah, um, I was definitely we were there. I know we were there one year for sure. And uh, but yeah, I remember Andrew WK played. That's the year I was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was great. That was great. And I went this past year and oh my God, you're going to have the time of your life. It's a weekend I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. I mean, it's, it's, I can't believe the bands that are, that are playing this thing. It's, you yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. You know, it, it's, it's really going to be, it's going to be hard to do what I just said and like, you know, try not just, be a fanboy and geek out every you know body and just talk everybody's head off is it, it's going to be it's going to be a hard thing i'm going to have to choose you know which bands you know wisely that i can get around <laughs> <laughs> yeah cuz uh, yeah walking around i'm like oh there's that person oh there's that person so i just i managed to keep it cool and just say hi or you know you're up to this oh cool and all that oh uh, you know just, yeah well it's just, just not freaking it, out too much yeah well it's you know there's bands that are, you know, some of my favorite bands, you know, ever. And then there's new bands that I'm, you know, huge fans of. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. Had Elliot ever thought about getting back together to play prior to this Furnace Fest offer? It, it, you know, it's always in the back of everyone's mind. I think, you know, it was Kevin, honestly, was, you know, every, Every year, every couple of years, you'd be like, oh, we should do something, right? you know, and it was just never, it's never going to be the right time, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like the old cliche with like having kids, like you're never going to be ready. You just have to do it. You just, have, if, you know, you just have to, if that's what you want to do, you, you know, 
it's it we just have to jump in with both feet and it, so it's a uh, if if we didn't have some type of of thing like furnace fest to push us that way you know and then and then also and also just having all this downtime to just think about what's important you know there was there was a time I'm trying to think it was it was for about six months but this was a couple years ago that I lost my voice completely. What happened? They don't know. They call it um, vocal cord palsy. So it's just it's just your vocal cords paralyzing, kind of like uh, bell palsy, where your face just you know will drop or whatnot. But my voice just left, and so during that time was a big time for me to think and be like, oh, I might not ever get to do those songs again, or I might not ever be able to sing or talk well. And uh, this is when our, our littlest was, was maybe two or three. And uh, you know, we got on this thing of, of me whistling. So like he, if I would, you know, whistled once he would stop, (laughs) you know, twice it was like slow down. But uh, so, you know, I think it's a lot of things in my head that, you know, finally we're just like, okay, let's, let's do this and let's have fun and let's just kind of like celebrate what we accomplished. And, and if people, you know, the fact that people still care, you know, is just mind blowing. Yeah, absolutely. This is, you know, Elliot and false cathedrals, especially there's a lot of music I didn't keep up with over the years or, you know, albums that fell fell by the wayside, but false cathedrals is one I still listen to after all this time. Did you do you feel that as the years go on with the with the growth of social media and the internet and everything? Did people reach out? Did you see continued interest in the band and that record? You know, we, that's a hard question to answer because I feel like I still don't. Like, you know, everyone says, oh, yeah, we, you know, people want you to play or you should play this show and there's going to, you know. But I'm like, who, how many, you know, if anybody's there, I'm completely blown away but it's yeah it is it's hard i guess no i guess i didn't really i know that i I guess i always just thought that if there are there it's just you know there's some core people that just really love that record or or something like that but i you know and i think that's really what it is i think there's you know a, a small minority that are that are vocal and are really into it and i appreciate that I mean, in my mind, you should have went on to be the biggest band in the world. Like, Drive On To Me could have easily been the intro song for one of those shows on the WB, you know? I mean, what like what happened? Did you ever think about that? Like, uh, you know, just because uh, uh, the band went on and did one more record, and it seemed like things were going well, we're established with our new sound, but it ended in, in 2003, yes? Yeah, yeah. Um, when it ended, it was, you know, it was it just felt like the right time. You know, we, it was, it was basically going to be a, a whole other set. Um, you know, I mean, I knew Benny was um, ready to leave the band and, and Kevin, I think Kevin and I would have, you know, if, if either one of us was like, no, we've got to do this. We both probably would have stayed and, and done it, but both of us were like, yeah, I think, I think we've, you know, run the course. Even you were ready. Yeah. And, and especially, you know, um, you know, I was ready to kind of move on. I, I, I uh, wanted to focus on, on a relationship with my 
soon to be wife and, you know, wanted to make sure I didn't screw that up. <laughs> and, right. you know, and, and luckily so far she's, she's dealt with me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I was ready to just kind of go into a new chapter and, and I honestly thought it's like, okay, and then I'll, I'll, you know, let things settle down and then I'll start something new. You know, I didn't think it would take me as long as it did to, you know, do uh, music with other people, but it took me a while. <laughs> yeah. Frontiers that was started around what? 2009, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Right. Somewhere right around there. Um, our first, uh, some was born. I mean, it might have been even earlier than that. And then it just took until that finally came out. It might have been, um, probably took us a couple of years to even get that, get that rolling and get the, the record out. So all those years, did, you didn't play any music. Had you moved on from music? What were you doing? Oh, uh, well, just, uh, we had, uh, started our business and just tried to, you know, we were focused on that and just starting a family and, and, uh, you know, we, we always, I always do things uh, the hard way. So we, you know, you start out slow, you, uh, you build a clientele and word of mouth and, you know, that whole thing. So, so yeah, we started the business right before we got married. So it's, it's, uh, it was right around 2004. How old were you at the time? So I would have been around, I think I was 30. So even at 30 years old, I'm I'm impressed that you have the forethought and maturity to be like, okay, I'm ready to step away from the band and focus on this soon-to-be marriage and start my business. I didn't even start to get my act together until I was 35. <laughs> well, you, that's, you know, that was, you know, you had these like, like, man, I need to get on this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you're, and you know, like the whole time that we, uh, we're doing Elliot. Um, it was so rigorous and, and the amount of time we spent, cause I mean, we did everything, you know, we lived together. We, we, uh, we all had a warehouse, uh, together and, uh, and Kevin had a studio, um, and his section. And, um, you know, so it was, it was everything, you know, and, and no, and no one could take a break because if one person took a break, well then, the other person's going to go on vacation, you know, and then there's like, you know, we couldn't know, you know, for whatever reason, you could never plan it like all at the same time. So just, it was just like, Oh no, nobody goes. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, and that was for the entirety of that, of that band. So it was like when the band was over, it was like, Oh, I'm going to go. I've never gone snowboarding. I'm going to go snowboarding. Um, you know, or whatever the things that you, you know, you just, uh, you take for granted that, you know, you, you know, should do or shouldn't do or whatnot. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go do everything except drive around in a van and exactly. sit in a noisy bar. I'm going to go do all that stuff. Yeah. Everything else. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to live life a little bit. And, and I think that's, I think that's important for, for bands and, and you have to, and it, and it's my, you know, that's part of the reason I should have listened. I should have taking a step back i should have slowed down um you know but i but there were certain things that i wanted right then and right now um you know we we had a european tour booked, so i wanted that had to happen you know and you know you and you look back and you go "Uh, we 
we could have waited a few months, six months, but you know, there's, you think that, 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 um, all that build up, you think it's just, if, if you don't do it right, then it's not going to be there. And if it's worth it, it'll, it'll be there. Yeah. And you just never know. You hear about bands taking a little break and then things never pick back up or something happened and they had to stop for a little bit. And while it's rolling, while the opportunities are coming in, you want to take them all because I I feel similar to what you just said, Chris. I'm like, this could be it. If I say no to one thing, it could all go away. While I have the energy, while I have the opportunity now, I'm going to take every opportunity there is. Yeah. And and it's, you know, kind of where where I was, but, you know, sometimes that leads, you know, you you can't rewrite the past. So you just got to go with it. Exactly. So when you started playing again in Frontiers, was it mind blowing? I mean, things must have changed a lot since you were out touring with Elliot. Oh yeah. I mean, it, you know, everything is, is different and some, some things are, you know, so much easier. Um, but then it's also, you know, you're just starting over from scratch and it's something completely different. And, and like so many groups, you know, even musicians that I love, you know, they'll put something new out and I'll go, Oh yeah, that's good. I listened to it. And then I go, but I'm going to go back and listen to their, the album I love, (laughs) you know? And so it's, it's, you know, I get it. I totally, I totally get it. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was great. And uh, we, wrote a couple records and, and, and had a good time with it. It was, you know, as I, I look with that band, never kind of had a hard stop. We just kind of, it just kind of dissolved. Um, and so it, it could, you know, I had a, no problem with playing some of those songs again too. So, and those guys are great. Yeah. I've been in that situation where the band never broke up. It's just that I called and I was like, are we practicing? And they're like, uh, yeah, we'll see. And (laughs) now we're 20 years later and it still hasn't happened, but it doesn't mean it won't. Exactly. Or it's, you know, it's like, well, yeah, well, let's, we could practice, but what, what for? Are we we practicing for a show? Are we practicing for, are are we writing new material? You know, I was like, I just want to practice, you know, and, and, you know, some members are like, ah, no, we we have to have an end goal, you know, if I'm going to show up. Right. (laughs) It's like, okay, I, I understand that too. So talk about recording false cathedrals. We're playing this record soon. Take us back to that time. We're young. We're full of hope. We're <laughs> right. ready to take over the world. I mean, what were you listening to at the time? What inspiration went into the record? This is a record I go back to all the time. It it can almost make me cry putting it on and listening to certain songs. I'm dropped right back into the year 2000, a young, hopeful young man with his girlfriend away at college and the world at his fingertips. Talk about your experience, Chris. Exactly. Um, well, it's obviously, uh, it was fairly, you know, cathartic record for sure. Um, just the relationship that I was in at the time and, and obviously from kind of from a beginning with, uh, to the end, you kind of hear, you know, how, how things went is all, wasn't always great. Sometimes it was the best. Um, but I think that's how most relationships are. But, you know, at the time, so we were, so we were living at, uh, 953 Clay Street, which is a, it was a, it was a warehouse Kevin and Jay found. And, uh, it's in a part of Louisville called Smoketown. 
And so we, I went and looked at it with them and I was like, you guys are crazy. Like, <laughs> absolutely no. I mean, it didn't have windows, you know, it was covered in pigeon, you know, it was, it was just, it was disgusting. But, <laughs> you know, probably a month later, I go back and I see what they've, you know, turned it into and, and kind of like the vibe and every, you know, I was like, Oh, I gotta be a part of this. So then I moved in and, and, uh, rented a section of the warehouse. Um, you know, and back then it, I mean, it was just so inexpensive and great and just the camaraderie and, and having all the artists there. We had a, there was a artist named Mike McCoy there, artist, uh, John King, you know, Mike Ratterman, which was uh, Kevin's cousin. He's a, a stone uh, sculptor. You know, I just had this this energy that was happening. And then they would, you know, we would have these parties. Of, they had these parties that were just, I mean, there'd be 600 people there. Oh, this, yeah, this sounds like the dream. Like everybody <laughs> living in this artistic space, writing music, living together, working together. Yeah, no, and it was, and it was, you know, and it was, it, you know, it wasn't all perfect, but it, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Kevin was building his business. He was starting the studio there, you know, and we were able to, uh, utilize that. Um, you know, so we recorded the demos for Foss Cathedrals there and, you know, worked a lot of things out. So when we finally went to record that out in LA, you know, we had everything kind of planned out and, you know, and he had such a, a big hand in that. Um, so once all that was done, we went out there, you know, it was, it was a fast process. I mean, we didn't spend a ton of time out there. How long of actually laying down the tracks? I, I wish Kevin was here. The, I th don't think it was much more than two weeks. That's incredible to me that we did that. Um, because we were able to record the drums at uh, Grandmaster Studio, which, you know, was kind of a famed location, just like, you know, it's all like uh, red shack carpeting and, and brass. It's, it's supposed to look like a, like a boat, you know, but like someone, you know, from the seventies was creating a, a boat, <laughs> but, uh, but it was really cool. And then we did uh, the rest of the tracking after the drums. I think we did drums, some guitar there, but did all the vocals at uh, Rondor Studio, which is uh, was um, a publishing company that we were working with at the time. And it's funny because as soon as we recorded, as soon as everything was done and delivered and whatnot, then we were um, we were dropped from our publishing deal, which was kind of beneficial because we got everything made and we got the record done and we did all that stuff. And then we were, you know, given our record back. So it was, wasn't a bad deal. Why did you get dropped from the publishing deal? They, they were bought by another company. And when they did that, um, cause they had, they had a huge, you know, they had Tom Petty, they had, I mean, it just, um, so Rondor, not to just get into like the business side of things, but really cool company. Um, that we were able to work with, they were the publishing end of A&M Records, um, which was started by Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss, 
And then we started working with Ron Moss, uh, Jerry's son. And at the time, you know, we were probably like, oh, Ron, he's, you know, he's an older guy. But, you know, Ron was probably in maybe late 30s. <laughs> so he was not old at all. Um, but a really awesome guy and, and it allowed us to uh, to do a lot of stuff um, that we would not have been able to do um, focusing on that, you know, record. So do you still have, like, do you own the actual record? If you, like, if you wanted to make a new deal with it, could you do that? Oh, well, the, the, that was just on the publishing side. So, but the, you know, we, uh, we were working with Revelation. So, so the record is technically, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's with, with Rev. It was just the publishing side of that. I see. What is the difference? I don't even know, like, what constitutes the publishing? It is basically the writing of, of the album. So like, we, I guess we could re-record the record and then do it with someone else. I think that's, that's kind of like what Taylor Swift did or what she's going through. Uh, I don't know a lot about that, that situation, but that's just one that seems like a lot of people know about, yeah. but um, yeah. And then there's like mechanic, there's all this stuff that I, I, you know, if I was, if I was good at that stuff, I, you know, we would have made a lot more money and continue to do that. <laughs> but I, I just kind of was like, Oh, whatever. I don't care. Let's just make a record. But yeah. So that was kind of the vibe. And, and we, um, you know, it, it felt, you know, that energy was there. We were, we were out there. We were making this record. We were seeing, you know, the other bands that we it came up with them making their records and, and, uh, you know, watching how well they're doing. And, and so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was just, you know, um, I think that's what's, what ignites kind of sometimes that, that, uh, you know, useful competition where, you know, it's like, that band's doing great. And we're, you know, we're putting the hours in and okay, people are showing up now. And, you know, it just kind of snowballs and into the thing and, yeah, it's not just you, it's the community, it's what your friends are doing, everyone's inspiring each other. It's like this melting pot of things. Yeah. Yeah. And and Louisville, you know, we were we've always kind of the bands from here, you know, tend to shoot themselves in the foot somehow, um, doing things a, a little bit harder or, or just maybe it's just not being, you know, fully connected, you know, but well but also, you know, wearing that as a badge of honor to a degree. <laughs> I still remember hearing false cathedrals for the first time and being like, wow, wow, this is really something. Did you guys have that reaction after it was done? Were you like, oh yeah, we're ready. We're, we're going to do this thing. You know, it, it definitely felt there were, there are parts of it where, you know, I was, I could always, I don't know if you ever experienced this when you're, you're playing, but a lot of guys in the band, you know, whether it be, are just really hard on themselves. And sometimes I can separate myself and be like, man, I, you know, be a fan, but not a fan of myself, but a fan of them, you know? Yeah. Um, be blown. Like, I can't believe I've took part in this, you know? Um, yeah. Like the last record I put out, sometimes I listen to it and I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And sometimes <laughs> I listen to it and I'm like, eh, it's really not that good. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on how it hits you that, you know, that, yeah. That. But the, you know, for, 
for me, I, I just felt it was, you know, I, because of just the accomplishment of, of, of doing it or, or having an idea and watching someone else's idea, like Kevin's idea or Jay's idea, you know, turn into this. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was, ex, you know, I was excited, you know, we were listening, you know, we were listening to bands, obviously like, like Radiohead and, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, I, I was, you know, hearing, you know, Foo Fighters and Radiohead and, and then all the, I heard you mention seaweed. That was a big influence for me as well. Seaweed. Yeah. That, that records, uh, Spanway. Right? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was just amazing. And that was part of the deal too, of, you know, when you're in that world and you're talking to these people and they're like, Oh, you know, we want you guys to do this or, you know, make me thinking about this, you know, try to get a record deal or this or that. And I'm like, I'm like seaweed. Like you, you guys blew it with seaweed. You guys blew it with Jawbox. You know, you're, you're you know, quicks that you blew, you know, like all these bands did great things, but their records to me were like phenomenal. Like does the still my favorite records that have been put out. And it's like, you know, you're not going to break us. Like we're not going to turn into to the band that you, that you want, you know, we're just going like, and that's fine. We're going to be in this, this area, but it was a, but it was a weird time too. Cause I was like, I'm not trying to, to like, I wouldn't consider myself an indie rock band because I, if given the opportunity, I will take the opportunity. Right. But if you offered that to, you know, certain bands, you know, whether they're a touch and go label or, or discord or, you know, whatever they're, or, you know, they're going to go, no, that, no, thanks. We got our thing. And that's smart, <laughs> you know, because when you go back and you look at those bands, you, you know, you, you respect what they did. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of bands out there who just stayed in their lane, so to speak. Maybe they could have done other things, but they're like, no, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and now it's, it's kind of a non point, right? I mean, you know, that's not the case anymore. People aren't like, Oh, you sold out. They're like, Oh, you're, you know, your, your record's doing really well. That's, I don't like you guys anymore. Um, yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. I think around the year 99, 2000, that kind of stopped. Okay. Yeah. From my experience, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely saw bands that were, you know, coming up that we were just like, oh man, these guys are going to have it hard. You know, they they just have, you know, their eyes are big and, and, you know, but then, you know, they, they knew what they were doing, <laughs> you know. Did Elliot ever deal with any of that? Did people hear the advance in sound from U.S. songs to false cathedrals and say, you change, man, or anything like that? Definitely, definitely. And then, and then we didn't help the situation by even pushing it, you know, that record, even, you know, making it even more different when they saw us live. So they were like, oh, God, what are these guys doing? <laughs> but, um, but some people liked it too. So, yeah. you know, it was, it's, you know, it, it, it went back and forth. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's fun to, to go back and, and think about where everybody was and what everybody's doing. But it's, it's a, it's a unique situation to be able to even do it again. Yeah, it has to be incredible. You know, you've been living your life all of these years. 
you've done other bands, you've done other things, you have a family, you have children, but you have this history, you have these records, and now you have this incredible offer to play this incredible fest, and we're going to bring this record back that we've never played in this form before, and we're going to essentially play it live in this form for the first time all these years later. That's that's pretty unbelievable if you think about it. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be fun and and you know just thinking, you know, you know tonight I'm, you know, I'm going to um pack up the guitars and and you know take them over to the space tomorrow and uh which, you know, which is a, a whole thing in itself. A buddy of mine is allowing me to practice at uh, at his house. <laughs> so we're bringing uh you know all of our stuff, you know, into his kind of practice space um you know which you know and and it would you know we wouldn't have the opportunity to even do that properly if if it wasn't for you know good friends and and uh you know having this opportunity we the uh we actually looked tried to look into going back to 953 clay street at that warehouse because they've someone has bought that and turned it into artist studios and practice spaces Oh, nice. Um, you know, but uh, but they didn't have anything available. But we're like, oh man, if we that would be you know fools, that would have been so like, <laughs> yeah, so mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, they they're like, oh, we're sorry. You know, you can come and take a tour. We're like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Did you try to tell them? No, you don't understand. We're Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they care. <laughs> <laughs> no, they 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 seem like uh, great group people. But yeah, they're just like, oh, it's everything's. You know, how much of the songs did you remember? You know, it's funny because at least I got to, you know, I, we continued playing those, you know, even a lot, some of those songs through song in the air, just in different ways, you know, tempo, a little different, you know, whatnot. So those came back to me fairly easily, but, um, but we do have to, so a lot of those songs are written in different tunings. And Kevin did that because he was just starting to play guitar and it worked out well for me because I'm not a great guitar player. So now when we went back and I was like, yeah, how did you play this? You know, and Kevin would be like, now Kevin's an amazing guitar player. He's played with Jim James and gone on tour, these huge tours and been on, you know, late night and all this stuff. Um, so he sits down and he just starts shredding. He's like, Oh, hey, this is how you play it. I'm like, no, that is not how we played it. <laughs> you know, we had guitars tuned so that, you know, I could almost, you know, I'm just holding one string and, and doing the, the repetitive, you know, motion. Um, so I had to figure out the alternate tunings, you know, so we could do it that way. Cause I'm not going to be able to do it his way. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to hear you say you're not that great of a guitar player because when i think of elliot and false cathedrals especially i you know it's like really refined musicianship to me there's you know there's a lot of excellent guitar work there's piano there's all these elements to it right well i appreciate that yeah and then you know kevin has such a um kevin and jay have such a, a heavy hand on that like i said surround yourself with with people that are better than you so you can you know, just take part and be there for the ride, you know? Yeah, I've heard you say that in other interviews, and it's so true. The 
the bands I've been in where everybody is better than me, which is often the case, it just makes me a much better player. And then I end up doing things I never imagined that I could do. Exactly. Exactly. Now, what, what I, I've, I've listened to a, a bunch of the uh, podcasts, but what, what groups have you been in? Anything I would oh, know? Um, nothing that ever got past local, like local bands I was in in Philly and New York, but, you know, okay. hardcore bands and post-hardcore bands and awesome. um, let's see, like just different kinds of bands. Like I was super into quicksand, right? And we started oh, yeah. a band specifically to sound like quicksand as much as we could. <laughs> exactly. That band was called uh, Crash of 64. That was a good one. But uh, my thing is like, post-hardcore and things that sound like hum and seaweed and quicksand and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of my world too, of what I brought. I think what I brought to Elliot and then, you know, and then Kevin and Jay have such different um, musical tastes. Um, And Jay, you know, he's definitely comes from, from that world too. Um, him being part of empathy from Detroit. And, uh, and that's how I got to meet him when he traveled through Louisville. And, and I'm sure when we were out in Detroit as well, but, uh, but Philly is one of our favorite places that started with falling forward. And that's how we met all those guys, all the ink and agar guys and everything, because falling forward went on tour with Endpoint. Endpoint. At that point, their drummer was Dave Wagonshoots for that tour. Right. And he drummed on the first Ink and Dagger 7-inch. Did he? Okay. That yeah. makes sense. And so we met, we would use Philly as our hub. And, you know, so we'd stay there. And then, you know, you go play New York. And then you come back that night to Philly. And you play here. And you come back to Philly. You play. And so, you know, it was uh, that when that was our first taste of of tour life. So, Philly kind of felt like our second home. And then it ended up once Elliot started. And then once Eva moved, I think at one point she was in New Jersey, but she, for the majority of the time she was in Philly. So Philly again became our hub because we would just stay with her when we would tour the East coast. So, yeah, it's a, it's an unbelievable music scene there back then and now as well. And it's just close to everything, D.C., Maryland, New York City, Boston. Yeah, and it's funny to me when when I hear people kind of talk down on it. I'm like, man, I love it. They don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) They just don't. They're just repeating things they hear other people say. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you live now? Are you in Louisville or close to? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just uh, here in Louisville. Um, Just, you know, probably... 10 minutes from the city. I mean, Louisville's not a huge place. I feel like, you know, you can almost get anywhere within 20 minutes, you know, that you want to, that you want to be the, uh, it's an easy place to live. And that's why, uh, you know, after touring and going around and seeing every place, you know, it's like, well, Louisville's a good place to be the, um, it's continuing to grow just like every place and, and get ridiculously expensive for people. But um, I think that's everywhere. Yeah. It seems like that's just the case for everywhere now, not even just New York and LA, but literally everywhere. Yeah. And and we're getting, you know, we do get quite a few people moving in um, 
from places like that, from LA or New York or even Nashville where, you know, people, you know, were there. And now all of a sudden that is just, you know, insanely cost prohibitive. So they're able to, you know, sell their house in Nashville and then come down to Louisville and live, you know, in a much more comfortable, you know, state, not state, state of being not, uh, Kentucky is not the best place, but it's, it's Louisville's, <laughs> Louisville's different. It's got to be easier than Brooklyn. That's where I'm at now. Yeah. Now we, you know, our original uh, drummer was, is a uh, Ben Lord and he has lived in um, Brooklyn, you know, I think for the last 30 years or so. Wow. Uh, he moved, he moved out of, he went to college um, and then stayed. So he's been there. He's been there for for a long time. Hopefully, he's a he's considered a New Yorker at this point. After thirty years, he has to be. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but he's he's there. He was in band. He was in the uh, Kilowatt Hours, and, and I know he's been in a ton of other bands um, in New York. And then our good friend, another Louisvillian, um, runs a temporary residence. Uh, oh yeah, record label Jeremy Divine. Yeah, and so, yeah, just good people. Were you involved with Initial Records when that was a thing? That's a legendary label, especially because Ink and Dagger were part of that label. Yeah, yeah, and we and Falling Forward was uh, that's the we put the I guess it's the full length um, considered the full length on uh, on Initial. Oh, okay. And that was hand me down, and so yeah, we were. There was trying to think there's, you know, there's, you know, all the, when we started, Andy was still based out of Detroit and then uh, he moved to Louisville and even Elliot's first, Elliot's first seven inch was on initial. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they're great label. And then they had uh, Scott Richer uh, from Metro shifter. He um, helped Andy with that for a while. Ron Jason, Ryan, Patterson. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the people, Tommy Brown, all the people that from Louisville bands that, you know, had that worked there and Mark Bricky from Enkindles, you know, so many people, you know, if their band was on it, a lot of them were actually, you know, also working there, which is awesome. So falling forward, did you ever play with Ink and Dagger back in the day? It sounds like you were at least hanging out with them a little bit. You must have seen some antics, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot definitely Elliot got to play with, with Ink and Dagger. Oh um, really? Yeah. Um we did we did quite a few shows, maybe a small like East Coast leg of a tour or something, but I I I know more than you know, more than three times for sure. But I remember yeah, but you know, you never knew what you were gonna get with an Ink and Dagger show. Um most of the time it was it was the promoter get, being very upset about something. <laughs> <laughs> of course, whether it be uh, the fake blood or I don't know, what, whatever else was going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were, you know, they were making t-shirts in the parking lot or, you know, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, they they were great. And, uh, and yeah, I know, you know, it's just tragic um, with Sean and everything, at it, but it, they were, they were good people. Yeah, absolutely. Just a legendary band. So let's see. So in terms of Elliot, we've got 
Furnace Fest 2022 coming up, right? Mm-hmm. We're excited for that. And you've also got a New York City show at Warsaw in Brooklyn. Now, have you ever seen this venue? Have you ever been there? I have not. It's a great venue. Last time I was there, I saw Quicksand, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's this big like music hall type place, but you're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. And folks, Furnace Fest is in, I don't know, September of this year. I don't have the dates in front of me, but the New York City show for Elliot is October 8th. You're going to want to go to both, right? I hope so. I hope, yeah. you know, if you, if you have the, the opportunity, you have the means, um, then we would love to, to see you. Yeah, you have to. I mean, <laughs> false cathedrals in its purest form for the first time ever. I don't know about the rest of you folks, but I'm excited. Are you excited? I, uh, I'm excited and scared and, you know, almost petrified, but we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. It'll be great. <laughs> I think that's good because if you didn't care at all, that that would be a troubling sign, you know. Right. I was like, uh, we'll just we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do it. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty just, years doesn't I'll really just, mean anything. I'll just fake it. It'll, <laughs> it'll happen. So, what else do you have planned? Uh, is, is there is there anything else in the works? Um, you know, there's there's possible talks about some uh, maybe trying to do some West Coast stuff, but it, nothing's uh, nothing solid yet. Um, but you know, I, th- you know, we have, you know, this is the week that we're talking about everything. So this is the week we'll actually be in a room together and be able to, to talk and laugh and fight and cry. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, and so we'll kind of, you know, figure out some things we, you know, we've been offered some, you know, what's amazing is, is bands that were you know maybe younger or starting out when when we were kind of ending and now are you know doing great things and have a whole history of their own and they're just being kind by being like oh play our show come over here do this um you know and so some of those things are are kind of starting to happen and and can be really interesting and, and can allow us to kind of do some shows and then do some of, you know, do some shows by ourselves, but, you know, we're able to, they're able to, uh, to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love it. It's the, the community and, you know, you're back and people are reaching out. It sounds like they're willing to help you out with things. It's a good thing, you know, cause if you're coming back and everyone's like, yeah, whatever, it's like, you that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be good. It wouldn't feel good. I mean, you can no. do it. <laughs> <laughs> but we we definitely appreciate it and it's uh you know and it's also like you know man there's there's i feel like we're at a really cool time and whether you know it, it's always been hard for me because i didn't think of my of elliot or our bands any different than than i you know a punk band, but we weren't a punk band. We didn't sound like a punk band, but the, the ethos, the energy, the the community, that's where we came from, from hardcore and punk. And maybe it's because some of these bands are reuniting and, and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, flyers for Avell again. I'm seeing, you know, all these things, but there seems to be this energy in them with new bands that, you know, probably aren't, you know, new by anybody else's standard, but that I'm turned on to, you know, over the last couple of years, things just really 
sound good and I like the bands a lot. And every time someone says, Oh, you like, you know, you like this band, you like idols. Oh, you like, you're going to like slow glow or you're going to like drug church. Or you're going to like military gun. You're going to like this. Um, you know, it's, and then you, and then you listen to it and you actually do like it. It kind of blows you away. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of exciting things going on, both with legacy bands and newer bands. You know, they're, they're, I'm constantly finding new and exciting stuff that I want to listen to. And not just, oh, that's good. But like you mentioned, like, oh, I this is now my favorite record of the year. There's so much good stuff going on. Yeah. Do you have a favorite right now? Uh, anxious. Anxious. You ever hear them? No. Check out Little Green House. It'll blow your mind. Okay. Yeah, That's I had awesome. them on the show recently. Probably my favorite newer band. That's awesome. Now, have you ever looked in... I'm pretty sure that's what it says. Uh, do you know the band Grey Matter? Uh, I've Dis- heard of it, but I have not Wonder. heard it yet. So you, oh, well, you got to listen to them. I mean, I think they're one of the best influential DC bands, that, but they were more... They had a, a little bit more rock side to them. Um, but... Uh, but if you if you take the sleeve, I'll send you a picture. If you take the sleeve of the record and you bend it and you look on the inside, I'm pretty sure it says anxious on the inside. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I I need to verify that, but I'm that's my that's what my old brain is telling me. See, this this is a sign that uh, you need to listen to anxious and that yeah. I need to listen to gray matter. Yeah. No, you definitely yeah. <laughs> It's a great time for the scene in general between legacy bands and newer bands. And I'm super happy that I get to be part of it in this way because I get to talk to everybody, including you, Chris. And I appreciate it. And I think what you're doing with a lot of these uh, podcasts, that's how I get turned on to new music, you know, and and that's how I kind of keep up with, you know, what's going on. Sometimes I don't fully understand it but at least i get to to be a part of it i understand enough of it right (laughs) enough of it so now that elliot's back do you did you have to figure out social media do did you have to learn about algorithms and how often to post and all this stuff are you going to make a tiktok account (laughs) yeah no no tiktok yet the you know i knew we knew a little bit i knew a little bit just from on the business side of things but not when it comes to bands and i'm still not great we luckily we have uh vic martin and we have eva um from fatal booking vic um from simba records and she's uh they're helping us out a lot with the social stuff kind of setting that up and uh doing that whole thing kind of having trying to find you know old content and you know reasons for people to you know, to keep up and to, to pay attention, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely not my focus, but it's, it's there, you know, you've got to kind of be aware of it. Exactly. It's, it's part of the deal now. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you can't just put flyers up and be done with it. You've got to make sure people are aware of what's, you know, what's happening. Exactly. How old are your kids? So I've got uh, Ewan is 12 and Wilder is eight. Have they heard your music? What do they think of the whole thing? <laughs> they, well, when when we started uh, 
talking about this again, uh, Ewan figured out the, uh, the piano part on, uh, call Americans. So, oh. he, so that was, that was fun to watch him figure that out. That and, must blow uh, your mind, right? Oh, everything they do blows my mind. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, um, they're both into music and they, and they love, and they love it at, you know, hopefully, you know, the next stage is, is, uh, kind of allowing them to figure it out. Right. Because they've, they play it's with, uh, a group called the Louisville Leopards. Um, it's a percussion group and, um, you know, they play marimbas and, uh, xylophones and, you know, full drum kits and, you know, everything rhythmic. And they, they basically do covers of all these bands. They've done, uh, Led Zeppelin songs and Ozzy Osbourne songs and, um, over the years, really cool stuff. And then those artists, usually reach out once they, you know, it goes viral and then they reach out to them and then they, you know, they, some of them have donated money or Ozzy came and, and watched them play. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's great, crazy stuff in there. So they're getting ready to play. They've been in, you know, because of the pandemic, they hadn't barely done anything. They just played a their big gig, which was like a, there was probably 1500 people there at the Brown theater, but they're getting ready to play with my morning jacket at the end of the month. Wow. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be super fun to kind of watch them, uh, do their thing. That's incredible. Yeah. They like to perform and, but no, they're, they're excited. And that's, you know, I'm not, that's part of it too, is, is, is hopefully they'll be able to, to come to one of these shows and, and, you know, be a part of that and see, you know, the, the community that I've always been a part of and, you know, trying to, you know, give back and, and kind of show them what that's all about. Yeah. I mean, if one or both of your kids was at Furnace Fest and they see that giant crowd watching you and you performing those songs, their minds are going to be blown. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's right. But even if it was, you know, a, a great intimate, you know, normal size show, you know, I would, you know, that would be amazing too. Cause you know the fa- the the best show I've, I ever played was in in Berlin. It was a called a club called uh, I think it was Wild. I want to say it's a Wild at Heart, but it wasn't. In my head, it was a a decent sized room, but it could have been tiny. But the energy and the amount of people that were there, the I mean, you could barely get through the crowd to the get to the stage. Those are the kind of shows that I would, I, I have no idea what it's like to play a show like Furnace Fest now, right? We, we played it back then, but it, and it was a good, it was a big thing. But, but the crowd, I was shocked at how much bigger the crowd for Furnace Fest is now. Because I, like being there last year, I was like, I don't remember this many people in 2003. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, when I see some of those bands and, you know, it's just like, yeah. Like, do you, you know that main shed stage that has the cover? Right. Like, right. that entire thing is filled with people spilling out onto those steps in the back. Oh, wow. That's, That's wild. wild. Yeah. No, it is. It is. And it's, you know. Are you ready for that, Chris? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But, you know, how could I be? But um, I'll be there. Well, I'll be there, too. It's I would I would say Chris that that set is the one I'm looking most forward to seeing. What do you think of that? 
That's crazy because there's so many amazing bands. <laughs> I know. But, but I've never seen you. Elliot. I have to. Appreciate it. So let's recap, folks. Of course, Elliot will be performing False Cathedrals in full at Furnace Fest 2022. We have to go to that, right, Chris? I hope so. Elliot also has a New York City show on October 8th at Warsaw in Brooklyn. Tickets yep. are still available, right? Yep. Yeah. And we'll, you know, and they'll, and they'll most likely be, well, there'll have to be, it'll be, there'll be more different songs, more songs. You know, it's, it's not, we want to be able to kind of give people a reason to, to see the band, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm excited. And Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, I've listened to your music for so long and it's just, it's great to be able to be here with you tonight and talk about all of this. So, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. There you have it, folks. Chris Higdon. That was an incredible conversation. I'm just happy that I have these opportunities to speak to all of the artists that I looked up to growing up. Elliot, one of my favorite bands. I love all the music that they've done. I love False Cathedrals. And hearing about Vadim, hearing about how he took the picture of that Ink and Dagger record and how he wrote the note, that little note that's on the bottom and how it was his actual blood in the photo absolutely blew my mind. I mean, that's like two of my favorite things combined, Elliot and Ink and Dagger. That was, that was an in- incredible connection there. I knew how excited you would be as soon as he was talking about that. Um, and, and I have that seven inch. I'm sure you probably had the, the seven inch or the CD. And I don't know how I've never noticed that before. Or, me, or maybe I did know about that a long time ago. But yeah, I, I, I was as shocked as you. I was like, oh my God, that's so awesome. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate, though, that I, th- I think, you know, people outside of Philadelphia and maybe our, our local region don't get as excited about Ink and Dagger as we do. But for us, that was like a monumental band. I think yeah. we really understand, like, the impact they had on, especially our friend group. I feel like everyone in our friend group loves Ink and Dagger. Absolutely. And, I mean, every album that Ink and Dagger has put out is just legendary in its own right. But one thing about the... uh Elliot conversation, the thing that surprised me the most from talking to Chris, I didn't know that they never played False Cathedrals as it was on the record. I had no idea about that until I started researching the band more for this conversation. So I'm that much more excited to see Elliot at Furnace Fest. They're like one of the bands I want to see the most because those songs are essentially going to be played in that form for the first time, which is just unbelievable to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess this would be a good time for me to, to kind of tell my my Elliot story. So, I, I, you know, when I when I got the U.S. songs, like I said, I was listening to that constantly. This was in 1998. And that's when, you know, I was like deep into hardcore. But there was, you know, like the the adjacent band. So you have like the Elliot and Sense Field and Texas is the Reason. And, you know, a lot of those Revelation Records 90s bands were doing this this rock stuff that was adjacent to hardcore. So Elliot was one of those bands and I got to see them. In 1999, for the first time at the First Unitarian Church, they were on tour with the Juliana Theory. And, you know, all that was out was the U.S. songs and and the couple uh, seven inches at that time. 
And I just remember the show was just very energetic, like super high energy. Their guitar player, uh, Jay Palumbo, he was rolling around on the ground on the floor of the First Unitarian Church. I mean, it was just like very impactful for me at that time. I thought they were amazing. And then a week later, I happened to be in Florida and I caught them again um, in Florida. And once again, great show. So as I mentioned in the first segment, I had this cassette tape that I got from Revelation with the two songs for False Cathedrals as like a as like a lead up, like a promotional thing. And one of those songs was Drive On To Me, which that song, you know, that's that probably is my favorite Elliot song. Uh, the song is incredible. And I would listen to it over and over and over and over and over. And when the record got released, you know, I remember hearing that Jay Palumbo had left the band. And then when I saw them, you know, on the False Cathedrals tour, or maybe it was a little bit after uh, even Songs in the Air, because at that point I was touring a lot and we played a few festivals with them. So I was lucky enough to, you know, to be able to play with them and, and then to see them. I remember that being like, for Drive On To Me specifically, I was so excited to see that song and they played a completely different version of the song. It was very mellow. It was like subdued. Um, it was atmospheric, which is, you know, where they sort of evolved to with with that third record and with the addition of of the new guys once um, Jay and Jonathan had left. But, you know, it, in all honesty, I just wanted to hear that banger, like Drive On To Me is such like a, you know, driving song. It's very upbeat and it's got this great energy. And, and in, the, in that sense, it's a lot uh it's very similar to the songs on on US songs where they're like a little bit more energetic a little bit more rocking so i am so excited to see them at furnace fest and to hear that song specifically performed on the way that it was on the recording not that i didn't enjoy it when i had seen them play it the other way but it's just like you know i just want to hear it like in that sort of style yeah you know I would say that's my second favorite Elliot song behind Speed of Film, which is the last song on False Cathedrals. And Drive On To Me, the thing I love doing most about this show is it's almost like, you know, I get to be involved in every part of this thing. I put together the conversation and then I get to pick a moment from a song to play before the conversation. So it's almost like I'm DJing. And my mindset is like, okay, I have one minute to sell people on the song. So I'm like excitedly picking out which part of Drive On To Me I'm going to use. And it's just like, and I I was sitting there listening to the song and I'm almost in tears. It's such a powerful band, like, and it's such a great song. And you know, do you know why I picked you to co-host this episode, Vadim? Uh, because we're friends? Well, I mean that, but also... Do you remember when I met up with you and Mike and whoever else at your brother's house and we were all sitting around and you were playing Drive On To Me on guitar and we were just like goofing around singing songs and stuff? I forgot all about that until you just said that. Yeah, it was a nice oh, yeah. memory. And I was like, here you go. Boom, done. Nice. I love that. The conversation with Chris was great. I was even talking to him a little bit after we recorded and he's just a super nice guy. Very excited to see the band. I've never seen them ever. Oh man, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be great. So Chris is probably gonna enjoy hearing this. So I worked at Revelation Records for like six six years or so, seven years when um you know living out here in California, and I worked with Vic Martin, who he mentions uh in the episode, and she had released sort of like an outtakes collection, um, which you guys did not talk about on the episode, but it came out. Uh, I forget what year it was, maybe 2013, 2014 for record store day. It was under Vic's label Simba records. And it had a bunch of these different songs that they had put out on seven inches and, and on EPs. And, 
you know, kind of like a proper B-sides collection, rarities collection type thing. And sometimes to save money at Revelation, they would all the parts for records would come in separately. So instead of, you know, a lot of record plants, you can get everything. It's all done uh, on location. And then when they drop ship it to you, then it's all like packaged up and and shrink wrapped and all that. Well, all the parts for the Elliot B-Sides collection, I helped assemble. So So if anyone's listening to this that has touched one of those records, I have touched it as well. Um, so, <laughs> so I thought that was that was kind of funny. I remember like sitting at the at the big table at Revelation, and and you know we're all sort of it's just like an assembly line kind of thing because you got to put together. I forget how many it was like five hundred or a thousand of those to ship off to uh, record store day stores. I love that. Oh, and you know, I just remembered uh, while talking to Chris. This has never happened before, but you heard it in the interview. He asked me what bands I've been in, and I. I got so tripped up because no one's ever asked me that before that I didn't even know what to say and I didn't even mention my latest band. I actually edited my response because I I was like such a stumbling fool, you know, just because I don't know what it is about me, but like when people ask me about myself or like say something nice about me, my brain just shuts down and doesn't let me process it. So folks, here's a little uh, Keith self promo if you want to hear music I've been involved in. Okay. Number one, the first band I was ever in called Paper Tiger. If you search Paper Tiger Philadelphia on Bandcamp, that'll come up. And that was a band I was in with my friend Nick Mariakis. And it's like, it's kind of like a modern take on the Smiths and the Cure and like some of that uh, British rock type stuff. So check that out. I also have a band called Crash of 64. You can find that on Spotify. That was with members of All Else Failed and Backwoods Payback. And that's post-hardcore, think quicksand, think hum, think that kind of stuff. I was in a New York hardcore band called Zombie Fight. You can find their material on Bandcamp and Spotify. I'm not on the recordings, but I did play in the band for about a year. uh, So they're awesome. Check that out. And last but not least, The Basement Year. That was the last band I did in 2018. The EP, The Sun Will Rise Again, is on all streaming services. And that's the band you hear in the intro of this show. So there you go. There's some music I've been involved with over the years. And there's something you're forgetting, Keith. You want to tell them one other thing that you've done? Oh, I, you know, this killed. Okay. I filled in live on bass for this day forward before. It was a chameleon club in Lancaster. I had a video of it too, and it was lost in my uh, storied lost tapes that will never be found again when I had uh, every band recorded. But uh, yeah, so I got to do that as well. And I'm very happy that I got to do that. So technically we're bandmates. We could say we've been bandmates. You know what? Yes. Instead of saying uh, I toured with This Day Forward and sold merchandise, I'm just going to say I'm a former member. Oh, you know, on Wikipedia, it's like (laughs) former members. I'm going to put in like Keith blank one show. (laughs) <laughs> you could just put the date of the show if you find yeah. it. <laughs> Usually it's like the years, right? Like 2001 to 2002. You could just write like June 4th, 2001. One show. I think Caven was supposed to play that and they canceled. I don't remember because we played the Chameleon Club so many times. So I yeah. don't remember which of the times that you, you played with us. If I remember correctly, it was you guys. It was, oh wait, I can say us. It was us. Uh, today is the day. 
and Caven, and I think Caven canceled. I might be misremembering that, but I think that was the deal. We did play Chameleon Club with Caven, but that was probably a different show. But I do remember playing with Today's the Day as well. Yeah. So uh, there you go, folks. I have I have a long and storied music career as a former member of this day forward. <laughs> Vadim has confirmed it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's talk about how we are doing, Vadim. And I want to start with you because I just talked about myself a whole lot. Let's hear what's going on. You've got a lot of music news going on right now. Yes, I kind of. Uh, <laughs> um, so I have a solo record I've been working on for a long time. It's actually been done, tracked for a long time, but it's um, been getting mixed. And folks, uh, it's being recorded and mixed by the one and only Greg Thomas, who has appeared on our show. Just mixed. Um, I recorded it at home. But yes, he's he's been mixing it and he's doing a phenomenal job. And I think Chris... Um, had also helped out with it. Chris Teddy, folks, who has also been on our show. Yes, exactly. Those two guys. Um, so it's almost finished, and I'm going to get that pressed and out to um, some of the people that supported my campaign, and I'll have extras to sell. So thank you for asking about that. And then, um, you know, Poison Noel has Furnace Fest coming up. We're actually playing on the same day as Elliot, which I'm very excited about. Um, and also sunny day real estate. So, uh, so, you know, it's kind of unreal that I get to play, you know, with some of my favorite bands on, on the same day, even, you know, even if we're not there for the whole weekend, at least we'll be there that day. And hopefully we're not overlapping cause that would really suck. And then I got some, yeah, I got some other things, uh, in the works. I have, um, a song I tracked with, uh, I don't know if I should even talk about it yet, but <laughs> it's not finished, but it's with members of other bands that, uh, I have toured with in the early two thousands when I was in this day forward. And I'm very excited about that. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen with that yet. It was just kind of for fun. So that's, that's as far as what's going on with me musically. Awesome. I, I am looking forward to that. Do you know that I'm starting a band Vadim? It's getting closer to becoming a reality. We, we're do- I was doing vocals at the last practice, so now it feels very real, and I'm very excited at the prospect of playing live shows again because I haven't played one since, I don't know, 2016. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I haven't yeah. played very many myself since, uh, you know, since 2020, since the beginning of that year. I think we've only played like three shows maybe with Poison the Well because COVID kind of uh, ruined a couple of our shows that we had planned, but... But yeah, back to playing and attend attending shows has been great. I seriously forgot, you know, how important seeing live music is in my life. And I'm sure that many of your listeners, if not all of them, feel the same way. Um, just how incredible it was to like hit those first few shows back. And even now I feel like we appreciate it a lot more, being that it was taken away from us and the possibility that it could be taken away again, you know, like people are are much more conscious of that and just trying to appreciate all the moments when you have them. A hundred percent. You know, it's funny. I totally agree with what you're saying. And for the life of me, I can't remember my first show back. Like my brain is so fried from pandemic and just being inside working on shit all the time. I'm like, what was my first show back? I don't even know. What was yours? Do you know? I do. Yeah. Well, it's because so uh, Poison and Well played a festival um, called Psycho Vegas. Oh, yeah. And and the, the night before we played, we got in early and I went to I uh, saw this band Health that played um so that was like my first even though i don't really know too much of their material but on that same weekend i mean i saw like i saw deaf heaven and um i saw boy sets fire and i saw thievery corporation there was a lot a wow. lot of cool stuff but this past few weeks have just been like i just had like show after show after show there was jawbreaker and lemonheads and then there was spiritualized like the week later 
And then um, I had a, a bunch of friends came in from out of town. Jo- uh, John Miriakis and Aaron, who you know, um, came in and we saw Supergrass together. And then we went to uh, the Cruel World Festival in LA, which had like, a lot of 80s uh, bands, Blondie, Bauhaus, The Damned, The Church, which was really incredible. I've seen a lot of those bands for the first time at that festival. So that was that was pretty amazing. And what's going on with you, Vadim? How are you doing? I haven't talked to you in a minute. I'm doing great, Keith. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, everything is everything is awesome. You know, it was, uh, for a while there, it was a little iffy. Um, I have family that's in Ukraine. Um, so that that part was a little bit scary. You know, some of my family had to uh, basically like leave the city they were leaving, uh, living in, which is Kiev, which is where I was born. Luckily, the Russian troops had pulled away from that city. So they were able to come back and everyone's safe, um, which is really nice. And then in my personal life, everything is really nice. You know, I, I, lo- I love where I live. Um, my work is good. You know, my girlfriend is awesome. So everything kind of fell in, into place. And I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at. That's awesome. Yeah. And folks, I have met Vadim's girlfriend and I can confirm she is awesome. He is not lying to us. Well, yeah. And yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, nothing, nothing's going on. Work's good. Podcast is great. I'm having a good time. I'm feeling good. And I'm going to enjoy the fun times while they last. Keith, I think that one thing you should do when you're promoting this episode is put up that photo of me where I'm wearing the new scene long sleeve and that butterfly landed on me because that was surreal. Yes. Yeah, folks, that is a sign that, uh, Great things are happening at the new scene and that uh, the world and the universe is aligning. And I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to post the, the uh, video Vadim is talking about. It was yes. crazy, though. I've never had that happen. Like, it literally, just this butterfly just it was flying around. All of a sudden, just landed on me and it wouldn't leave. I, I like I was trying to see if he was going to fly away. It didn't fly away. I tried to walk to get it to fly away. It, w- it just kept staying on me. And then after like two or three minutes, finally, it left. It just like wanted to hang out with me. Maybe it really liked that design. Yeah, I mean, folks, if you get the shirt, you too can become one with nature. I mean, <laughs> the design attracts butterflies. Who knows what else it will attract? It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on. We'll call it the new scene butterfly effect. <laughs> I love it. Well, folks, that's it. We're out of time for this episode. But I want to say thank you once again to Chris for coming on the show. Excellent conversation. I want to say thank you to Vadim for joining me in the co-host chair. And uh, we're back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time. (laughs) 